And you'd get to the 45 minute mark and then you'd see your build fail, not because it didn't compile, but because it had two lines of white space next to each other. Uh, and that was just like the most soul crushing thing that I've had to deal with as a developer. They see this job opening as this hole that they're trying to fill. And in order to do that, they scrunch themselves up and they make themselves small in order to fit in this neat little hole when in reality, they have all of this experience that is valuable. Welcome to episode three of the WebJoy podcast. I'm your host, Eddie. In this podcast, we interview guests about their origin story and what makes them excited and joyful to be part of the tech community. I hope you enjoyed today's episode, Taking Up Space with Alex Karp. Today we have Alex Karp. And Alex, do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself, who you are, what you do, where you work? Uh, just a brief intro. Yeah, my name's Alex, he, him pronouns. I am based out of the Boston area, just north of Boston. Uh, I am an engineering manager at Twitter. My team is called Media Foundation Client. So my team owns the media library at Twitter. So anytime that you watch a video or listen in on a space or laugh at a funny GIF, that's all based off of my team and, and our library. Nice. Well, hey, I appreciate the work you all do. I use plenty of GIFs on your service and have joined a couple of spaces. So definitely uh, glad you all are there and doing what you do. <laughs> yeah, we have a lot of fun doing it. Well, what's kind of a, a short version of your story? How did you get involved in, in tech and what has your trajectory been like? Yeah, I've been talking about this a lot lately with all of the coffee chats with the 100 devs folks. I tell people I got really lucky in a way. I knew from a very young age that I liked computers. I liked messing about on them. Uh, and so I found resources online to teach myself basic web development. This was back in the day when there weren't nearly as many resources as there were now, though, to be fair, there was only one flavor of JavaScript and I kind of liked it that way. I kind of missed that. But I looked at programming as a cool way of solving problems, usually my own problems, because I'm a little bit selfish like that. So it was this way of doing that. And so I would just start on these projects and learn through that. Then when the iPhone was released, I was like, oh, wow, this means that I could take my things wherever I go. So of course I dived into iOS development and that's been most of my more recent developer history, but I've done both front-end and back-end development on web and a bunch of iOS development. Because I knew from such a young age what I wanted to do, I was able to put myself through a, a computer science program, get internships, and then right out of school, I was at Microsoft for a year doing some front-end, back-end, and Microsoft development. So I got to do some interesting server-side executable things. Uh, Sorry to hear that. That doesn't sound fun. <laughs> honestly, the least fun bit about it was the way that our compile system worked. The whole thing would take 25 minutes on an incremental build, more like 45 on a clean release build. But the most frustrating thing about it was that we had this linter and the linter was incredibly strict. If it found anything, it would fail. But 
they didn't run the linter until after they'd compiled everything. So you'd get to the 45 minute mark and then you'd see your build fail, not because it didn't compile, but because it had two lines of white space next to each other. Uh, And that was just like the most soul crushing thing that I've had to deal with as a developer. Yeah, that sounds painful. And for anyone listening who isn't as familiar with programming, linter would basically be like a grammar checker for programming code. So it's checking to make sure all the grammar of the programming is the exact correct as it should be. And like someone missed a period at the end of a sentence and that 45 minute whole thing was wasted now. (laughs) Yeah, especially on a team, it's just a way of ensuring that all of our code kind of looks the same and that we can read each other's code, that, that sort of thing. After that, I ended up at Wayfair for about five years, going from doing iOS development into management, which was interesting, but I I did have a lot of fun there. In the almost five years that I was there, we grew from seven mobile engineers to, I think we were about 155 when I left. So some pretty rapid growth and it was a wild ride. And then back in February of 2020, I was part of the layoffs at Wayfair. So that's how I ended up at Twitter. Yeah, it's definitely been a journey that you've been on this fun ride and you've ended up where you are now. What keeps you excited and what interests you about tech now that you've been here for a while? Yeah, I think it's the fact that tech and software engineering it just intersects with everything. If you think of anything else outside of tech that you're interested in, there is some intersection with software. So that's a really cool thing. Well, if you get bored of working on one sort of thing, you can go work on a different sort of thing. I think that really helps keep things exciting. And there's always something new to learn. Like you're basically forced to, as long as you like learning new things and trying out different areas, then, you know, it's a lot of fun. I love that. I really feel that in my core. I worked for a design agency where we built stuff for random companies. I did something that helped doctors in the ER see how to use certain surgical tools on an iPad. And then I was working on a cybersecurity application. And now I'm at Glassdoor and I'm helping build software for businesses to understand the needs of their employees in an anonymous fashion and stuff. Like you said, those are all very different things. And yet we get to be involved in all of it because we are technology professionals. So that's super exciting. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the goal of this podcast is to kind of talk about things that bring us joy around the tech industry. So I have a question for you, which is what brings you joy? What would you like to talk about? I'd say recently it's just been not only the number of people, but I guess the breadth of people that are taking part in things like 100 devs or other boot camps or teaching themselves and just kind of deciding, hey, I want to try this. Let's give it a shot. And just how open everybody has seemed to be about their journey as they learn, which I think is awesome. That's definitely cool. What do you think gets you excited about people getting into tech and helping people get into tech. Yeah, I would again say that I've been kind of lucky in my career and that with both Wayfair and Twitter, they had 
programs that were designed to bring more people in. So at Wayfair, we called that Wayfair Labs. And at Twitter, we have Twitter apprenticeships. And the idea with both of these is to take people who are either coming off of a boot camp or have taught themselves how to how to write code or are just starting out in their career or switching from another career. Any of these circumstances where it might be difficult for them to just go out and get a job as a junior engineer. These are programs where you have a three-month period or a one-year period in which they're looking to bridge the gap between being able to write code and being able to write code as part of a team at a software company. And I've gotten to do a lot of both interviewing for these roles, and I've gotten to work with a lot of the people who have come through these programs. And I am constantly amazed by the people that come through these programs. They are some of the most driven people I've seen. They have really interesting ideas that I don't think we would have thought of had we had we not had them on our team. And also they're just really happy to be there. And that happiness is kind of infectious. I totally get that. I help mentor at the Collab Lab which is a nonprofit focused on helping people in the exact same stages that you talked about the Twitter apprenticeship and at Wayfair. And like you said, I've seen the same stuff. I helped a cohort earlier this year, and I was just amazed at how they came together and worked together in a team. No one had to teach them how to work together in a team. That just blows my mind because I feel in the people who are normally in the developer tech industry, I feel one of the big things we have to do in engineering management type things is figure out how to get our people to work together rather than just be engineers in their corners programming and this influx of new people who want to work together and solve problems. It's a really fresh perspective. Yeah, absolutely. And that's one of the things that I tell a lot of people when they're asking about how to get into tech is to think about some of these other skills that they have, especially if they've had other jobs or even the experiences you wouldn't think about where they develop things like teamwork, communication, leadership, resilience, all of these experiences that just get completely overlooked when people are applying to jobs that end up actually being really important. I would say equally important and potentially even more important than the tech side of things. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. At the end of one of our eight-week cohorts, we have one person become like the pseudo-tech lead for the cohort, whereas the mentors have been leading it up to that point. And the cohort I was just a part of, I was amazed because one person was like, yeah, I'll do it. And they were so organized. And I'm like, they've never really worked in a team programming setting in this way. And yet here they are knocking things off the list, like a tech lead of years. And I'm like, how is this possible? To your point, then I found out after the fact, jobs that they've been at in the past, they've been team leads in non-technical capacities. They've been in these leadership type things. And then bringing those skills into the tech realm, it just goes flawlessly. And if they don't realize that they can put that out there as a strength and as a resource, then they're definitely missing something that can help them kind of get ahead. Yeah, I talk about it a lot in terms of taking up space, especially for junior engineers or people going for their first role. They see this job opening as this 
hole that they're trying to fill, right? And so in order to do that, they scrunch themselves up and they make themselves small in order to fit in this neat little hole when in reality, they have all of this experience that is valuable. And by really thinking about what it is that they bring to the table, what value they bring to the team, to the company, they're taking up space. And that's just a much stronger place to sell yourself from. It's like, hey, this is who I am. This is the value that I bring. These are the experiences that I've had that I think will help the company or will help me think differently. That makes a much stronger case than by trying to fit into what you perceive as the hole that they're trying to fill. If you could choose one thing that's the most important for people to know when they're trying to get into tech, what do you think that is? Honestly, I'd say that's probably one of the biggest things that I would mention to people. Uh, A couple of other things that I think are right up there. One is don't focus so much on the technical interviews. And if you do focus on them, focus on learning how to problem solve. It's a much more generic way of looking at these problems because you will never, ever memorize enough algorithms and data structures to attack each one perfectly, nor should you have to. The other one is don't be afraid to apply. If you don't meet all of the requirements for a role, people forget that these job descriptions are written by people who overwhelmingly suck at writing job descriptions and conveying specifically what it is that they're looking for. And I include myself in this category. So don't get discouraged if you don't meet things perfectly. You're likely a good candidate anyway. I agree with that. As as someone who's also written job descriptions, it's like, we are trying to create a person out of nothing. We know that what we are writing, this person doesn't exist as a single entity, but we have to craft a person And if you feel like any part of that person resonates with you, then you're probably a good candidate because we know not everyone's going to match everything. And so, yeah, throw your hat in the ring if you feel like it touches on your experience in some way. And that's what interviews are for, for us to tease out and figure out if you are the right fit. And so it doesn't hurt to, to throw your hat in the ring. I know that I started getting a lot more job interviews because I used to have that same perspective. I'd look down and I'm like, oh, I'm two years shy of this requirement and I wouldn't apply. And definitely in the last four years, five years or so, I've started to just say, you know what? If this thing is remotely where I'm headed, remotely what I'm interested in, if I can find some way to spin it as being relevant to my experience, like I'm going to apply. And if I get to the interview and it bombs, then that saved me because I wasn't ready. But if it doesn't, then I am ready. And just let the interview be the thing that cancels you out rather than not applying. Right. Because you'll always wonder, what if I had applied? Like, What if I'd gotten that job? You'll never regret applying for something and getting told that you're not ready yet. As we wrap up this episode, as a community, like we love to support each other. We love to hear what each other is doing and what's going on. So is there anything that you're involved with or anything you've worked on recently that you'd like to share and let the community know about? Absolutely. So I just I wrote a book and it's available now. So it's called Running Start. And the whole premise of the book is that it is intended to help 
more people get into tech. My goal when writing it was to take my experiences and my observations as both an engineer and a manager and use that to create I sometimes call it a cheat sheet for your career, but it's basically everything that I wish that I would have known at the beginning of my career that I think if I had known would have made a big difference. And the goal in writing it was to try to make it as accessible as possible. So the primary audience for the book are people who are coming out of boot camps, people who are trying to break into tech. Um, but my, the way that it's written, I think really anybody can get value out of it. Awesome. Let's pause for a second and realize you just said, I just published a book. I mean, that's a huge thing. You know what I mean? So many people, myself included, have thought about writing a book, but most of us haven't. So congrats. What a huge milestone to be able to say, yes, I not only started writing a book, which thousands of people have done, but you finished writing a book and it's published and it's out there for, for people to check out. So congrats on that. Thank you. It's really surreal, but I'm so happy that it's out there now. Awesome. As Alex just said, like it is useful to everyone, people particularly in boot camps and things like that. But really, if it sounded interesting to you, you're probably in the target audience. So is there a exactly. website that they can go to check it out? Yeah, absolutely. You can go to Running Start. Dev, where you can purchase a digital copy, or if you go search Running Start on Amazon, you can buy a copy for your Kindle, a hardcover, or a paperback. Awesome. So everyone go check it out. And that's about it for this episode. Thank you for joining us, Alex. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining us for episode three, Taking Up Space with Alex Karp. You can find out more about Alex on his Twitter, at Autistic Manager. You can find links to everything we talked about in this episode, as well as a link to Alex's Twitter in the show notes. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider rating and reviewing it in your favorite podcast directory and following us on Twitter, at WebJoyFM. Thank you, and have a great day.